Hi, everybody. You're listening to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast, where we talk about everything local and beyond. I am John Yamasato, your host. And joining me today is Mr. Kyle Shinobukuro. Hello. And Devin Nikova. Howdy. Before we even get to anything, Kyle, man, your hair grew fast, dude. I remember, like, yeah. it being totally short. Okay, now that's why. It's in between a, a haircut and another shave, so I don't know what I'm going to do yet. It's like... Oh, grow them long, like, uh, like Brad Pitt in um, Legends of the Fall. You know what? I can't do the hair. I, I can't Ew. even do the hair like Brad Pitt, much less look like him. So, <laughs> don't waste time. Before we begin, let me shave remind... Shave him, dude. It was good fun. I know, but my crazy. wife hated it. She goes, please don't shave your hair again. I'm like, well, then you can get this. Isn't that better? That's better? I don't know. <laughs> let me remind all of our <laughs> listeners of the way they can stay in touch with the show. There's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at High Sessions. Then you have some SoundCloud. YouTube and Apple Podcasts to listen to the show. And finally, you can email us at highsessions at yahoo.com. If you'd like to help the show and get more music on the channel, you can please, please go to patreon.com and donate, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. There you'll be more involved with the show and help determine who and what is filmed. We had uh, Kavika Kahiapo on uh, for the show. He's going to be coming up um, online in, in a couple of weeks or maybe even a week. And that was a request oh, from, nice. uh, from a patron. So they're like, hey, you know, we're going to be in town and we got him in there and social distance and uh, got Kavika filmed. So that was pretty cool. That's cool. Do um, we have any uh, feedback from our podcast? People hate it or like it or what's the latest response been from your Uh I think people are fine. Yeah. I mean, they comment okay. on some of the topics that we talk about for sure. To find Devin, you can go to Kubu 94.7 in the mornings. Highlife808.com is where Kyle works, uh, where he has all of his t-shirts and stuff. And then you can go to Etsy, <coughs> Wandering Sea for uh, any masks and stuff like that. Matt, how was your guys' uh, Halloween? You know, um, uh, we gave candy out to 12 kids. 12 kids. Uh, that's actually kind of a wow. lot. Think about it. Yeah, it was all for one one another house party that with the Halloween's kids. Oh, whatever. really? Yeah, yeah. So we're glad we gave away everything we made. <laughs> we only made like 12, 12 packages of candy anyway. But um, that's what it was. I just... I just had a slide come out of the window of my van. Yeah. And when they came by, I had a, a, a clamp with, with, the, with a predator's head on it, and it just let go of the camera, <laughs> slid down the slide. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't do much. I went to a house, took some pictures with our costumes on. That's about it. Dev, you do anything super exciting? My kids are old, dude. They don't even care. <laughs> Really? We sat at home and didn't do anything. Yeah, it was but just I like thought, another day. I thought kids of your kids' age would want to like hang out with their friends and run around the neighborhood and whatnot. Um, my kids don't go to school in the neighborhood, so oh. it's kind of it's oh. it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. They you know they go to school in a different district, so oh, they just get online and talk story with their friends, and that's it. It's really weird, but uh, safer, I guess. So whatever. The one how thing you, that sorry, that was kind of a bummer way to say it, but it's, it's, how do you eat thing, their candy yeah. then? Huh? How do you eat their no, candy? We didn't even buy. We didn't even buy. We didn't even buy candy. Wow. I mean, it was a cheap year for us this year because yeah, my parents didn't buy candy. We just left the light off, and that was it. We went. My wife and I went and did some shopping and came back home. <laughs> wow, you're like a Halloween Grinch. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and this was the Halloween that was on 
Saturday, it was a full moon. I know. Like it had everything going for it, you know. Although it did yeah. rain in yeah. Honolulu, but mm. man. The one thing that I did over the weekend was I purchased a iPhone. I have an iPhone 12 now. I upgraded from an iPhone 8. And that's why I kind of... Thank you. What, uh, now, Kyle, you have the 12 as well. What, what did you upgrade from? Uh, 10. But remember my 10? My keyboard was broken. I couldn't type. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. it. That's Months. It's driving nuts. I'm so glad I got this new phone, you know. How's your yeah. 12? Good. You like them? You know, it's I... It's already, Devin. Huh? It's scratched already, the front. Not. Yeah, you know how they make it like non-scratchable from all bottle phones before? It's super Supposedly, yeah. Yeah, it's just scratched already. What did you do? I don't know. Just, I was looking at it and they're like, it's scratched already. Oh, rip off. <laughs> I, I got to say, I feel old because I don't know if I am old or it's just a, a, the way I think is old, but buying a phone is a hassle to me. I don't, oh, yeah. I, I don't, get, I don't get excited about it at all. Like it, it is no. not... It's not a happy day because you got to reload the whole thing, which takes a while. Mm. But then it logs you out of every single app. So like now, every time I turn on an app, I got to go like look for the password because exactly, yeah. Every every <laughs> thing that I log into, like before, it was just like you just open it up because all the passwords are in there already. But now you got to like, right, right. log into everything, right? It's true. Yeah. I just I just thought, man, what is my life becoming? Where now, like I can't even enjoy getting, getting a, new a new phone. phone. <laughs> what was cool is you put your phone next to your old phone and they just shot everything over though this time oh did, did it do it for you oh, okay yeah. i i tried that i tried that i had too much stuff on the phone i had to leave it there for like two hours well no it took oh. a while but eventually it just took everything yeah everything. i cool. have the um i do the apple um exchange program so oh, okay yeah so they just send you a new one you do the you do the update thing you set it all through and then supposedly it's done so we'll see you know my 10 was an upgrade program i never upgraded it are you kidding me what a waste yeah. mm. i know that's what you have the upgrade program for i know it's so stupid what what is it like a monthly subscription and then it's at certain point yeah you just get a new yeah phone? well you're pretty much leasing the phone so what happens is they send you a new phone or you you get the phone you pay a monthly fee right and then right. Um, at about the year at the, whenever they release a new iPhone, then you get that new, you can sign up to get that new iPhone and then they send you the new one. You got to send them back the old one within the next, I don't know, three, four days, transfer everything over and then you're done. And you, you got a new phone. You got to cut all this part out, John. This is boring as fuck. No, cause people <laughs> like, like to, people like to know. Like people... talking about an iPhone. Let's cut this part out. But, no, um... they, they, they got to know like what the, what the, uh. The, the but the, the the reason why no the, and the only reason why you get the you do that um the that program is if you're one of those people that buys a new iPhone all the time. Yeah, that'd be you. Yeah, because it's like it's the same thing with a car, right? Because otherwise, what was happening was I was paying twelve hundred dollars to buy a phone, right? And then you buy the phone, and then you get the new one a year in which is stupid because you haven't even paid off the phone yet. So yeah. this way, at least you're only paying for the phone up until the time you get the new phone. So yeah, Dev, yeah. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Yo. Go ahead, go ahead, I'm John knows what, what um, because I called him the other night about a, a possible podcast that we were going to do that got mm. canceled. But I thought mm. I'd feel you in because it was so damn interesting. <laughs> I ran into my friend. I'm not going to mention his name because he, for fear of him getting... um harassed but um 
I saw him the other day and he goes, brah, I was out on that night the UFO flew over Honolulu in the water in the dark and off off um off Anaheina side. Oh and he was with a friend. Mm-hmm. And he said he said, you know what, man, there is no way that was space debris. Because it, it was a craft. It looked like a craft. It was shaped like a craft. It flew over us. It was transparent. It made no sound. It was the size of a football field. It flew right over us and um, left a trail behind. Hmm. And he goes, there's no way you can ever convince me that was space debris. That was something out of this world or something that we don't know of yet. You know, that's military testing or whatever. So I said, would uh, you and... go ahead. Go ahead, what? No, so, no, you want to be on a podcast because I want to hear your story. Maybe there's other people that saw it that just would agree, you know, with you and stuff. And he's like, yeah. And then last minute, him and his friend counseled on us and said, you know what? My friend is kind of afraid because you don't want men in black knocking on his door, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. So they said that they'll take a pass. But, you know, I just thought I'd mention that story. And if any of our listeners out there have some type of experience like that um, and are willing to talk about it or even – just, just shoot us an email to say, oh, yeah, that's what we saw, too. You know, it would be kind of neat to collect these stories that, that a lot of people witness, but maybe are too afraid to say. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just very interesting. I found that super okay. Well, with that, we're going to take a short break. And Ilima Lay uh, is waiting for us. So I'll bring her into the room, and then we'll start with Ilima Lay McFarlane. Okay, we're back here with Ilima Lay McFarlane. Ilima, thank you so much for being on the podcast. She is the current Bellator Women's Flyweight World Champion um, and impressive. Four title defenses and just, uh, just a badass all around. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I do get quite a lot of podcast requests. And normally I send, I'm like, you got to go through Bellator PR. But when you hit me up, I was like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> all right. John does the juice. Yeah, we, well, we, we've seen each other a bunch of times, and I most recently, well, we bumped into each other in Waikiki one day when uh, the world was normal, and you could just walk around <laughs> Waikiki, not like now. But the other thing was, uh, she did a workshop. My daughter was doing jujitsu, so I took her to a open workshop that she did with Hoist Gracie over at the Blaisdell, oh, and wow. uh, that was so cool. Yeah, my daughter was too shy to jump on the mat or anything, but uh, we stood there and watched and listened and you got to tell your story, but it, it was very interesting. So, so enlighten us on how you got into MMA and, and fighting. Cause it's, it was an interesting story. Yeah. Well, um, the short version of it was basically, I got really fat in college and wanted to lose some weight. Uh, but the longer version is, you know, I grew up as an athlete. I grew up playing basketball, volleyball, soccer, wrestling at, at Punahou, my alma mater. And I ended up um, pretty much, I, I quit all sports after I graduated. I had a couple of knee surgeries in high school and I just was like, I'm not going to play at the collegiate level, which was my dream. I wanted to play basketball at the collegiate level. So I just figured that wasn't going to happen. So I quit all sports after graduation. I moved up to San Diego to, to attend San Diego State. And while I was there, I got super big, like <laughs> not even freshman 15. It was like freshman 40 in my case. What was your uh, like weapon of choice? Was it pizza or was it um, like there uh, was soda? Uh, alcohol. 
And, oh, yeah, uh, there you go. That's the one. That'll do it every time. And we had this, I had, we called it the fat kids plan, but it was a meals plus plan, which was basically like unlimited food. So oh, yeah, wow, man. recipe for disaster. Yeah. yeah. So, and then you're away from home where nobody can see you. So you're just like, <laughs> yeah. you're just scarfing. That's true. Yeah, it was so, it was really bad. I, I adopted a really unhealthy lifestyle. And so when I graduated or I finished my undergrad, then I just said like, okay, I have a summer off before I go into graduate school. So let me use this summer to like get back into shape. So I randomly joined this MMA gym that I would pass by on my way to work every day. I used to wait tables and I would always pass by this. It was like a rinky dinky sign that was like missing letters. And it was like MMA, jujitsu, boxing. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So I just walked in and then, um, that was, that's the gym I'm at today. And is that is that the one with uh, Liz Carmouche? Yes. Okay. All right. So and and she's a, a UFC fighter, is, or was a UFC fighter, or is still yeah. there? So, so yeah, she, just so happened that you got in with uh, someone who's like serious too, right? About it. Yes. And um, she had actually just fought Ronda a couple months prior, and oh. like of course I knew about women fighting, but I didn't know who Liz was, you know, and so. Um, when I walked in, she was actually the person I was working the front desk and, and I was like, oh, wow. Chick is like yoked. Oh my gosh. Like this is kind of intimidating. Um, but I ended up signing up. I was actually, I feel like I signed up out of intimidation more so yeah. like, yeah, I want to do this. It was just like, okay, yeah, I don't want to disappoint you. So I'm going to sign up. <laughs> but Before I, you signed up for the gym, were you already watching UFC and into MMA and stuff, or was this just the introduction to the sport? Yeah, it was just an introduction. We didn't, um, you know, we're like the outliers for Hawaii families. We did not watch fighting at all. There was no, mm. not even like scraps between the siblings growing up. We were very. <laughs> well, you went to Punahou, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> and my dad was a teacher there, so. Oh, jeez. No, we can't fight. Oh, so. <laughs> it was definitely not something that um, I was into at all. And so when I joined the gym, it was more, yeah, it was just like a hobby, but nothing that I knew about. Yeah. And so did you just, uh, so it's funny, we had Max Holloway's uh, trainer on here uh, of a few podcasts back. Um, Max Holloway's personal trainer is Darren Yap. But but anyway anyway but but he was saying when Max came in, he's like this kid is so skinny like what are you gonna do with him? He had no idea that he would ever. But you know Max worked worked just worked hard and got his way worked his mm -hmm. way up you know. But was it something that you just enjoyed so much that you just kind of like couldn't get you out of the gym and just was training all the time? No, it was quite the opposite. Um, huh. It was like well, I, I just was super busy. I was a graduate student at the time. I was a full time grad student, working full time. Um, you know, and so my coach Manolo, he was the one that kept hounding me, like, get your ass to practice, where are you? And Manolo had a really good way of making me feel guilty about uh. anything. And so I really just didn't want to disappoint him. Like how I signed up at the gym. I didn't want to disappoint Liz. I didn't want to disappoint Manolo. And so it was actually at his um, request, I guess, that 
I started fighting because he was like, oh, I think you should do a smoker, which is um, when, you know, gym members fight each other, like one minute round, mm. it's real, okay, okay. real low level. And then after I did one of those, he's like, okay, I think you should do one more. So I did another one. And he's like, hey, so why don't you go amateur? And so basically that turned into a total of nine fights amateur. And then he was like, you know, I might as well go pro, um, <laughs> just bucket list kind of thing. So it was really at like Manolo's like prodding that I got to where I was. That you're, that you're a world champion. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. We did an accidental champ. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you, like, what was the, what was the moment where you realized, yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at this. And actually, I don't mind getting hit in the face a lot and mm -hmm. grappling with people on the ground. Like, I don't, I don't know when that happens. Because I uh, run away from fights, so I don't, I have no, like, relational to this. Yeah, yeah. I, it wasn't until, like, my fourth pro fight, I think. Yeah, my fourth pro fight was when I was, like, in Bellator. And I was like, yeah, I, I think I could do this. Sure. <laughs> Your fourth fight? Yeah, wow. pro fight too. Was, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I was very resistant to the idea of fighting as a career or like claiming that as as my identity. Like I, mm. I at the time too when I first joined, I felt like it was really uh it was a fad. Everybody wanted to do it. Everybody was like going to the gym just so they can pose and they were all, <laughs> you know, they weren't actual fighters. So so I wanted to stay away from that image for a really long time. I wouldn't even hang out with people from the gym for like the first year. Wow. Yeah. And then even when I did become pro, then I still was like, this isn't who I am. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm going to grad school right now. I'm, I want to be a teacher. Um, and so, yeah, it took me a long time to finally accept it and be like, okay, this is who I am <laughs> for now. My life. So, you know, in Bellator, there's a, you know, you're among, a new generation of fighters and stuff like that. Do a lot of them right now um, grow up in an MMA kind of martial art world, or do they have previous training, most of them, in like some type of martial art, like jiu-jitsu or, or kempo or something like that? Are you like the common or the uncommon in, in, that, in, that, in that retrospect? Uh, no, I think I'm the common because I did have a wrestling foundation. Oh, okay, okay. And so, I, but I think that... You know, especially now, the sport has evolved so much from prior years that you have to have a background in something because otherwise you're going to be behind the eight ball. And so I think it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty normal. But at the same time, I also said that, like, I'm a little uncommon as well because I haven't been doing this for a long time. No. I pretty much, I've, I, turned pro in 2015 and then two years later I was a world champion you know wow. so it was my wow. my career was definitely accelerated like I was only competing as an amateur for a year before turning pro so um yeah I would say in that sense my career is has been uncommon just for the fact that it was very accelerated and you wrestled only in high school or you wrestled in college too a little bit just in high school I mean well I started when I was like fifth grade like a little gangly oh, okay. like fourth grader trying to do the after school program so yeah i and then i wrestling was actually how i tore my knee so i was out mm. 
freshman year. Like my goal was to be state champion all four years. And I was out my freshman year. I was wrestling with this big old knee brace, um, my sophomore and junior year. And then finally my senior year, I won states. And then I was like, all right, I'm done. That's it. I'm done with <laughs> You accomplished what you wanted to at that point. I did. Yeah. And my coach, my wrestling coach, I remember when I coach Oni, when I walked off the mat and I hugged him, he like lifted me up and he was just like, you know, you're going to miss this. Cause he would always give me shit about not going to nationals during the summer. Cause I was like working or something. And so he hugged me and he's like, you know, you're going to miss this. And then I guess he was like foreseeing the future that somehow we can get into MMA. <laughs> Up and coming, you know, future MMA wannabe fighters and stuff to do something with sport. Would it be wrestling to start off with to gain some kind of knowledge with your body and, 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 and the sport. For sure. Yeah. Wrestling, I think is the best foundational art that you can have. Should you go, should you want to go into MMA? Uh, If you look at, you know, all the world champions, like, uh, and and high level fighters, um, a very, very high percentage of them are all wrestlers or they had a wrestling background. Yeah. Hmm. By by the way, by the way, the trainer we spoke to was uh, Darren Yap. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're from like movie star or something. I always think that he's an actor. Whenever. Oh yeah. <laughs> he looks like a like a Korean actor or something. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, that. uh, by the way, I, I found this. Oh, sorry. I don't oh this. yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Just so just so she knows I wasn't lying, and yeah, I did yeah, really yeah. actually meet her in our hallway. <laughs> so, so going back in time a little bit, I was there when you uh, defeated Valerie. Litvinov? Uh-huh. I don't know how to say her last name over in Honolulu, Hawaii. That was that was epic because you know we've we've never we used to have all the super fights here and all that kind of stuff. And one of the cool things back in the day when I used to go to these fights is you would like walk around the Blaisdell and there'd be like Rampage Jackson and uh, Dan Henderson just be like walking around with everybody and stuff. It was a much different time. But ever since that, everything like kind of changed. We haven't really had much fights here to have so to have a local person come back and be you know the main card and 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 just uh it was really exciting but was there any different preparation for you that for that particular fight because you were in front of a local crowd and yeah just a different feeling oh my gosh yeah i mean that was i in fact we were just watching it the other night we rewatched it and i was like nothing's gonna top that night that was the Mm -hmm. best night of my career of my life like (laughs) nothing is gonna top that freaking fight week and experience just um being able to come back home first of all because because that was actually one of my goals to begin with when i started fighting i was like i just want to fight at home i didn't care if it was amateur or pro like i just wanted to fight back in hawaii once and so um, I actually had the opportunity to take, uh, I believe it was like a, no, I think it was pro. I had the opportunity to take a fight for one of the smaller local promotions out in Hawaii, but then Bellator called. And so, um, but hell, I'm, I'm glad I waited because look what I got to do, you know, mm-hmm. three years later, yeah. I come home and headline a card. And so, yeah, it was, um, I was super, super focused for that camp. I mean, you're, you are, you're focused for every camp, but that camp, like my weight was on point. I was walking around at 
140, which never happens. <laughs> and it's like, for some reason, my body just knew that, that like, it was time, like this was going to be the biggest night of my career in my life. So, um, that camp, yeah, I think that was the best camp, the most focused I ever was. Hmm. Um, you know, um, speaking of the, speaking of the weight thing, um, I watched a real sports uh, thing that they did on weight loss in MMA, and it kind of was freaky. Uh, so uh, they were talking about how, you know, people are trying to go down in weight, go down in weight, go down in weight, and they're, you know, putting salt on themselves and doing all this kind of crazy shit just to try to lose weight. Uh-huh. Is that is that a thing? Like, is that a major thing in MMA? Or is this just, did they cherry pick certain stories because this is all pretty much ufc so i don't know if it's just more of a ufc thing or what oh no it's real life like that's mm. a- <laughs> wow. but, um, my so okay so i give i fight at 125 that's my division mm-hmm. but and every year since i started fighting at 125 i've gained weight every single fight camp so mm-hmm. I started off walking around at like 135 then it started going up to 140 then it was you know and and I there was a period where I would never get above 145 and if I did I would freak out and think like oh my gosh I'm too big okay let me tell you this this last quarantine I got up to 162 <laughs> and I'm just like oh. <laughs> uh, my last my last fight actually so a year ago uh for the December card in Hawaii that was the biggest weight cut I ever did. I cut down from 157. So in, in about three months, I lost, what is that, 32 pounds? And oh. Yeah. And I told myself, I was like, I'm never doing that again. I mean, everything was super, super healthy. It wasn't a bad cut. I yeah. died down like super diligently. I was literally eating like a bite of chicken, a bite of sweet potato, and a bite of broccoli on the hour. Like that was oh, my man. diet for five weeks mm-hmm. um, so it was terrible right but I did it healthy like that's how you're supposed to do it you're supposed to diet down and cut the actual like body like fat out as much as mm. possible and then um and then cut the water so I only cut seven pounds of water which really oh, wow. isn't bad wow. like some fighters they cut 20 pounds of water and it's mm. that's that's when you get very very unhealthy um, yeah, I mean, they had them. They had them going into kidney, uh, kidney yeah, failure, kidney and failure. all kinds of stuff. I was like, oh, "Holy crap!" Like they're having to go to the hospital and stuff. And uh, I guess your background in wrestling also helps as well, because you already kind of were used to having to cut down because you do that in wrestling as well, right? Well, kind of. I never had to because I was like part of the big girls club, so I <laughs> wrestled up. I wrestled up at one fifty five, even though I was in the wow. Club, I was like one forty three, and I would wrestle up in fifty five. Just because our really? team, yeah, like we had a 140 girl and she was too mm-hmm. small to make 55. So I went up. So yeah, it, I didn't really, and you know, I always said, wow, if I knew what I knew now, I would have totally gone down in wrestling. Like I could get to 130, no problem, knowing how to cut weight now properly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's just, um, there are definitely people that do the cuts really unhealthy and it's dangerous. Yeah. But I've never been in that position. Um, I've never had a bad cut. I've never missed weight. Not gonna lie. Does the weight cut still suck? Yeah, it totally sucks to deprive yourself of like yummy food and 
water for the last 24 hours. You know, it sucks. Oh my God, that's crazy. I can't, so, <laughs> can't even imagine. You, As she drinks water from a bottle. <laughs> you're, you're cutting weight all onto weigh-ins, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that weigh-in is done and you make that weight, what do most fighters eat to gain back a little bit more weight before fight day? Well, it's not even the food necessarily that we're gaining weight with. It's, it's you're rehydrating. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And so I'm like slamming Pedialyte, coconut water, because you're trying to replenish the electrolytes that you lost. But as far as food, I mean, I always eat very, very clean. There was one fight where I, for some reason, thought it would be a good idea to eat pork when I don't even eat pork in real life. So like, but I was just so, I was craving, I was like, that looks good. And I ate it and I just felt terrible. That's the worst I ever felt in a fight because mm. my post weigh-in process wasn't smart, you know? So it's down, people have it down to a science. I yeah. work with a nutritionist who literally has it down to a science where, okay, at this time you drink this much and you eat this and that. So it's, it's really cool to see like how I progressed throughout my career. So right now, are you in the middle of training for your next big fight or, or is that coming up for your yeah, training? Well, the, she's uh, facing Juliana Velasquez uh, December 10th. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about that because that's going to be in Connecticut. So you're going from fighting in Hawaii all the way to fighting on the other side of the country. So do you fly up there early or what's the prep for that? Yeah, so uh, the fight's December 10th, and now with COVID restrictions, we have to we do have to fly out there early. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So fighters fly out um, five days early because we have to quarantine. We get tested, then we have to quarantine. So, you know, there was actually – so the reason why it's out in Connecticut is because the Mohegan Sun is kind of Bellator's bubble. That's where they, oh, okay. they're putting on all of their state, uh, their, their uh, U.S. shows. And so, you know, several Hawaii people have actually fought already. So they've gone through the whole process. So like Toby Mish, um, unfortunately, Dane Kamaka's fight was pulled because his opponent got COVID. Right, right, right. Um, mm. Yeah, and I know a Dung Fa, and then this upcoming card, Sum- Sumiko Inaba, she's actually... Um, our other Hawaii girl, she's, she's making her debut. So they've all gone through the process, but basically you, you get tested before you get on the plane. They send you through the mail, like a COVID test. You have to do all yourself. And then you fly out with your corner and which, so I'm taking Jason with me. Um, nice. yeah. And it's, that's another story. Um, he hasn't seen like <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't seen me fight before, and his first fight is going to be in my freaking corner. So, oh my oh, god! Oh wow! Yeah, hopefully he doesn't freak out. What is wait? What is he in charge of in your corner? Like, <laughs> come on, babe, you can do it. Kick her ass. He's in charge of <laughs> calling out the time, so he's just going to be staring oh, at his phone okay. looking. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but um, yeah, we we fly out there, get tested as soon as we arrive at the hotel, and then we have to go straight to our rooms, and we have to quarantine there until the test results come back then once they come back then we're free to go down to the training room or the sauna whatever you need to do to cut weight and then once you cut weight you have sorry you have weigh-ins on wednesday Um, oh okay wednesday Hmm. wednesday morning and right after weigh-ins you guys have to take another test and you have to go back up to your room and 
stay there until wow. the results come back the next day. Wow. So yeah, because um, we fight on we fight on Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Yeah. So the crazy part is that on this last card, two of the two fighters got COVID just Ooh. in that short incubation period, like from Wednesday, because both of their their previous tests were negative. Right. And their last test on Wednesday was positive. So wow. whether they were false positives or what, like, it's just crazy that two fights had to get scrapped because of that. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, how are your parents with the whole fighting thing? Uh, they're supportive. Like, <laughs> they were... They must have been like, my daughter's going to be a teacher. And then, oh, wait, <laughs> no, now she's punching people out. Okay, that's different. They were. The first thing my mom said was like, oh, we spent all that money sending you to college and then you're going to go fight. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were totally supportive, and they both said they're like, you know, I might as well do it now while you're healthy. Yeah. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I don't think they, I don't think they ever thought it was gonna go this far, though. For sure. Mm. Like, I think they, I, they thought I was just gonna do like one pro fight, and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's um, yeah, they love it. My mom couldn't watch the first couple of fights; she was too nervous. But now she's mm. in the front row, like. <laughs> screaming, screaming, yeah. kick her ass! <laughs> but but armbar, this armbar. <laughs> but no, no, right, right now there's not going to be a crowd, right? In this this one day coming up. No, so everybody's freaking out because no, like one of my sisters, Melia, she has never missed a fight, so she's like, mm. "Well, can I still come out there?" And I'm like, "Yeah, for what? Like, you're gonna, you can't even go into the fight. You're just gonna right. be like." Crap hotel. Mm. And I was like, and I won't be able to see you because we have to quarantine. So oh, that yeah. would be a waste of time to fly all the way out to Connecticut just for nothing, you know? So it's nice. Need another, I think you need another corner person. I know, right? She would totally, <laughs> she would totally love to do that. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, one thing I'd be curious to ask you after this is all done is whether or not the um the crowd because you can hear everything right now that there's no crowd so does that help or does that hinder um just the the difference of um fighting in front of a big crowd versus uh no crowd you know yeah. well i i i like to think that i'll be fine because it almost feels like you're just in practice in the gym like mm. you, can hear, you can hear your corners very clearly and everything um so yeah i think i will be okay but yeah, I don't know. I, I actually almost prefer it because yeah, there's nobody there. Like who cares? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> it's, a, it's only a world championship. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and no pressure and you know, no distractions. Like my sister's screaming. I can totally hear them very loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be nice not having to worry about any of that. I would, I would think you can focus better when there's not all these distractions around you, you know? Totally. Even mm. even just like silly things like tickets, you know, yeah. making sure my family mm. has tickets. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's nice. It's saving me a lot of money, too, because <laughs> I would fly out family and friends. I would yeah. get hotel rooms, and now I don't have to worry about any of that. Oh, nice. No wonder you're like, ah, it's okay. You don't have to come see the <laughs> No, you can't no. come in anyway. Um, <laughs> you're living in San Diego right now, and you have you see so your resident there, and you just come to Hawaii every once in a while to visit family. And yeah, so yeah, so I've been a resident of San Diego for like 
10 years since I moved, since okay. I came here for college. Um, so yeah, people are always confused because they're like, I thought you lived in Hawaii. And like, I'm just always in Hawaii. I, swear, <laughs> I go home like seven times a year. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I might as well be a dual resident, but my, my official residency is up here in San Diego. So yeah, everyone's all like weirded out about me endorsing Hawaii politicians because they're like, you can't even vote. I'm like, so? That doesn't mean I can't endorse people. Like, I care about who's in office in Hawaii. Like that's my home. That's where my family is. I'm going to move back there. Yeah. Soon. Right, right. Yeah. And um, you know, when was the last time you came home to Hawaii? So we came home in April, like right when COVID oh. happened, because mm. because we had to come home to get Jason, the rest of Jason's things out of the house that he was renting. Um. Um, yeah, so that we had to come home. It was essential travel. We're like, dude, we have to get the rest of this stuff because he was moving up here. Um, and so, yeah, but it was it was fine. It was easy because we didn't have to leave the house. We just had to pack the house up and then. And yeah. then um, I had a, I had a question about your fighting style, and maybe or should I ask John since he's watched you fight? Because I don't I, I apologize I'm not a I'm not a huge MMA watcher person, oh, but um, I, I was just curious like, are you do you consider yourself more of a cerebral fighter? Are you like just rush them and go? Do you do you have to do a lot of research on your opponent and go okay I gotta attack this person with wrestling I gotta attack this person with punching I mean how does that all work? Well, why don't we ask John? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I was going to ask John because I was like, what do you think? What do you think? Here's my analysis. I think uh, she definitely does her homework on her opponents. Um, she has a, a tremendous ground game. And so I think most of her, you know, so far uh, from what I can tell, most of her opponents have been strikers. And so once she gets them down on the ground, it's uh, very hard for the, her opponents to deal with her. Although her striking game is good like I, I wouldn't say like she's not a striker and so but um you know Ilima Leza she's compact she doesn't have like super long arms and stuff right so I think she definitely has to be a cerebral fighter because she's not going to just uh run people over you know she's going to try to get in close and uh, and strike or take them down which is probably preferable for her because she's so good on the ground but that, that's my thought as far as her strategy with people but I don't know. Very good. That. Uh, <laughs> very good. You're, you're a like, professional. Yeah, you're like um, Hawaii like Bull Rogan. <laughs> oh man, uh, I, I love it. You know, like I, I just love watching. So, but which is funny because I can never see John getting into a fight at all. Well, that, the, the reason why I like it so life. much is it's something that I know I could never do. You know, like I, I'm just such a weak human being that I, I don't have the physical. <laughs> so it, it, I'm. It's like. You know, it's, I mean, I can imagine it's like, you know, if I was uh, like, like Kyle, like I admire Kyle because he's so good at art. He can draw so well, you know, so it's like. I, I thought you were going to say Kyle is weak too. And that's what I know. <laughs> but it's like, you, you know, you admire things that you can't do yourself. And like, so. That's all why I am music. Oh. I can't do music. So I'm like, oh, these musicians and artists are so great. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So, so in the same way, I look at, I look at Elena Lay. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I wish I could, you know, take someone down and choke them out. But I know that <laughs> it's not in my. Even if, even if I had the skills, my physical ability, someone just pick me up and fly me across the room like nothing, you know. So, well, so I would you say? I mean, that's a so that's a that's a correct assessment of your your approach to things i mean i know you got to change things depending on the fight but 
yeah, no, he, he nailed it. So I, and I always said, I always tell people that probably my greatest asset as a fighter is that I'm a smart fighter. And mm. I, like he said, I do my homework and, um, yeah, I have a game plan and I'm pretty strategic. So there a lot of times too, you'll see fighters, um, the game plan goes out the window once they get punched in the face or oh, really? fight off of emotions. And, you know, they just, once your emotions start going, then you can't really focus and you see red. Mm. So I've always been a really smart fighter. I always say like, I am not the most athletic. I finish last on all of the runs, I'm <laughs> strongest or anything, but I'm smart, you know? And um, so I think, yeah, he, that was a, that was a really good uh, analysis. Wow. Nice. Have you ever um, strategized or seen in your head before the fight how you would end this and then it came true? Because I know Conor McGregor did that before too, where he visualized a certain move that he's going to do that's going to take that person out and then he does it, you know? And has that ever happened for you where you see in your, in your head what you're going to do and then you accomplish it in the ring? So, yeah, we, I, I work with a sports psychologist and we visualize a lot. And I, I replay over and over the, the fight in my head. And, um, but it, it's hard to do too, especially because at nighttime I'm trying to sleep. And every time I start thinking about the fight, then I'm just like tensing up and I can't go to sleep. Um, but yeah. You're whack chasing in the, whack chasing in the face. <laughs> He's like, ah! Oh. So I definitely visualize a lot. Um, and at, one, at some point, like things just become second nature um like the arm bar it's just second nature to me already there so i don't even like like if anything i visualize moves that i don't really go for because that's what needs more practice because mm. mm. i know i'm gonna if the arm bar is there like i'm gonna take your arm there's you're not gonna get out of it no we uh we do a uh, uh, we ask all of our guests um desert island disc questions basically if you're stranded on a desert island uh, three albums that you would take with you or want to have with you. Uh, and they can be greatest hits albums or CDs or I I know, digital say, downloads or whatever. So she's I know, she's young, so I don't know. They can't be greatest hits? Yeah, it can't be greatest hits. hits. Yeah. Okay. And or, or if it's, for some people, it's just three artists, and that's fine too. Okay. Um, I'll take CMK. Mm. Um, but I like their greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just sneak it in. I would take C and K. Um, does it have to be local artists? No, it can be anybody. Can be anybody. We had people say Def Leppard, uh, oh. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. So I would uh, say C and K, Sublime, and. Mm. Um, who would my last one be? Sorry. And I think Mortimer, he's a, he only has an EP out, but uh, Mortimer, he is a, a Jamaican artist. And uh, Jason introduced me to his music and it's really, really awesome. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Nice. He was going to be our, he was supposed to play at our wedding. Um, oh. So I think, yeah, I would take that. Oh, nice. I, I didn't know that you were engaged, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> now I know everything about you. Congratulations. Yeah, a lot of people awesome. didn't know. And we were supposed to get married in April, on April Fool's oh. Day. 
and then COVID happened. So oh we had to my God. Oh, that yeah. was the ultimate April Fool's. Okay. It was. It, the joke was on us. <laughs> yeah. And then how did you hook up with Hyrie? Uh, because she's been on the podcast as well uh, for a short time. But um, yeah, I just saw that you were in her music video and she's such a sweet person. Yeah, I love Trish. I was just texting her today. Um, so she actually, she randomly hit me up on Instagram probably like two years ago and was just like, hey, would you like to be in my music video for She Go? And I'll be totally honest, I actually didn't listen to any of her music prior to that. Um, yeah. I mean, I knew who she was. I just didn't listen to sure. I think it was the same with Anahea. Like, I knew who Anahea was. I just never listened to her music until I started yeah. dating Jason. And now I'm like, oh, this music's awesome. So, so that's how it was with Trish. And uh, so we, so it was funny because we just so happened to be on Oahu at the same time that she asked me. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the islands right now. Let's do it. And then, then we find out that both of us actually live in San Diego right so, cool. yeah so we just kept in touch and then we became good friends and and even more so when me and jason got together um it just everything just clicked and boom 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 like it, it's so weird that we had the same circles but like jason and i never crossed paths um, mm. we had the same circles so um yeah so that's how me and trish became good friends Oh, that's cool. So was it like an instant thing with you and Jason? Like you met each other and across the room and then all of a sudden you're together and that's it? Yeah, it was a whirlwind romance. Really? Yeah, wow. we, we knew each other for like a week and I was like, hey, let's get married. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we, knew, we knew each other face to face because we had actually talked for a couple of months. I was, so I was preparing for my, my last fight and, um, I was preparing for that so i had just started my camp and i guess he like reached out to one of our mutual friends and was like hey is Ilima single and so here oh. i am I'm in camp i'm bored and you know i'm not like going out or anything so i'm like yeah i'll talk to this guy whatever and then <laughs> we ended up like really liking each other and he flew up to san diego because they had a um, the all is bright tour on here them had a tour in california so he flew up like the day before I was supposed to fly to Hawaii to fight. And so we got to meet each other face to face finally. And then, yeah, it was like instantly. And then he met my family, you know, after my fight. And then we flew to Big Island, I met his family. So we've kind of been inseparable since. He's actually at a gig right now, I'll probably go to the gig right after this. But cool. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, with Yuli Malay, but we're going to take a short break and we're going to switch over to our Patreon section for now. So to our, our listeners, we'll see you in a little bit and we'll be headed on to Patreon. Thanks a lot. See you. Bye.